What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. Uh, it is a good, good morning. I like that. I like that. It is a good, good morning. And our theme today is family and the holidays. Um, what's good about it? What's not so good about it? What does saying yes to spirit have to do oh, with? Oh, that's the key. With uh, enjoying family at the holidays. Um, but before we get into our theme for the week, we always connect the dots with the previous week. So last week we talked about nativity and new thoughts. <laughs> and there's the pause. And that must mean it's time for Leslie to talk. Um, connecting the dots between family and the new thought nativity. You know, I had a friend that sent me an email that had listened to the show, and she had seen the title and didn't have any idea or really any connection to it when she saw it. And um, she thought, well, what is that going to be about? And she said in listening, and I hope I'm paraphrasing this correctly, that she got something out of it because she had never really considered the, the idea of how the nativity scene becomes alive in our presence today, in our experience today. And when I read that, I thought that's one of the things I've appreciated about getting involved in a New Thought church and that, and that philosophy. Would you call a New Thought a philosophy or a religion, it Tracy? It's a philosophy. It's a philosophy, not a religion. Okay, I just want to make sure I say that right. And uh, is that it takes sort of, you know, the stories of the Bible and the different things and it makes it applicable to my life and how actually those stories were messages of things that I'm literally going to be going through right now in 2011, 2012. The, the things, the metaphors of the Bible are not just something for me to learn from, but something that I will actually literally experience in my life as a, as a person working towards transformation. And all of that is to say that I think my family is a you know is an integral part of my experience in 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 my unfolding in my transformative um you know journey that that's the whole reason I'm here and that my are we talking about biological family I should really you know have defined that first I'm assuming biological family okay <laughs> my family of friends don't really apply to this because I choose them but you know no. oh, see that's so interesting I thought at some point we might talk about choosing our real family but you know, my biological family, I think, um, are certainly the characters that are the most active in my play in some ways. And I bet we could find out that some people, their biological family, have no real part of their active life right now. I envy those people. 
And it would still be a part of the, what you said right before that, that for whatever reason, however that came to be, right. that that was part of the lesson that or the transformation in the life process that was a part of it, whether it was a, for a good reason or because of death or because of, you know, there are people who are not connected on a daily basis. The stories that relate to their biological family are not what right. drives them every day. Yeah, literally in their lives now, but the underlying. And I guess that's the connected, the underlying thing that's kind of evolving within us, you know, connecting that to the transformative um, story that we told last week. And I think I think you did an excellent job of connecting all of those nativity things to the new thought. I would just like to affirm you for having all of that material available for us because I would have made up some of it and been right, but not a lot of it. <laughs> I was surprised at how much I really remembered mm. from, you know, from what I've learned over 25 years of being involved in New Thought, but especially what I learned from two years ago, taking a class that specifically focused on New Thought in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so the nativity scene was, you know, one part of one day's class in, oh, right. in an eight-week or ten-week class. So it wasn't like there was even a full class focused on it. Um but you know what's interesting is I don't go back and listen to our shows right on a regular basis right and uh, I actually a couple days later said you know I need to listen to that show I need to listen to last Saturday's show and so while I was working on other stuff and checking my email I pulled it up and I started and I let it play right while I was doing email and um. And I thought, oh, it's so interesting now, like, to be able to listen. Okay, so we're having some really interesting technical challenges. Oh, I think it's because I'm talking about my mother. I think it is, too. I really do. 
Um, that's so interesting. Well, what I was going to say, I, I, not so much that you're talking about your mother. I thought, I was thinking, what an interesting a link to talking about some of the frustration that happens when we're interacting with family at any time, and then especially the holidays, because it's like that misconnection or ah. that things don't go the way, ever go the way that you think that they're going to go. And you have certain traditions that you have had for a long, long time. Right. And you get used to those, and then somebody decides they want to do it differently or not go with along with that tradition. And then you're, you know, you're you're like in your mind going, well, what's going on? What just happened? Yeah. How did that happen? Why did that happen? What? And that's exactly what, you know, and maybe, maybe you could hear some of this as like on this end, the phone was going dead or telling us we weren't connected, but it wouldn't let us back online, in. Online, it looks like we're connected. And so, yeah, very weird. Just like sometimes it can be being with family during the holidays. And I'm still curious if actually people are able to hear us. If you are online, if you could just log in or could they type in that, they're, that we're live, that they can. Yeah, actually, I can activate the chat, which we don't normally use. And um, they could type that they actually can't hear us. Although I don't mind just talking to you and not being heard. <laughs> but it should would be interesting to know if we're being heard. Yes, well, we would be talking anyway. So, um, so very cool. So let's go ahead and talk about um, the family and holidays. And I think it is a very... Very true that our families are often our triggers for joy and our triggers for confusion. Yes. So, um, and our families, as you said, up at the very top of the hour are a huge lab, laboratory for our own transformation. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, that's ultimately... I think my mother is playing her role perfectly exactly. to, to work with me through my way in my own transformation. I absolutely believe that philosophically. And putting that into practice when she's in front of me is a whole other thing. <laughs> Some days better at it than I am at others. Okay. <laughs> you want to talk about your mother? Not particularly. <laughs> okay. But I can talk about my, uh, I can talk, uh, I don't think there's any, well, there is probably, a, I was going to say, I don't think there's any, like, story or lesson that necessarily relates to what we're talking about, but I guess there is. So if I talk about my biological mother, I don't have a relationship with my biological mother. And so uh, she is still alive, and one of my sisters is, was very close with her, and um, and so during the holidays, it's not so much of a big deal for me because I don't celebrate Christmas, and I haven't celebrated Christmas since 1973. And so, um, but she's a very good person. I should just say that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why would her? she doesn't celebrate? Lovely girl, Tracy Brown. <laughs> And so it is a little interesting that both because I don't celebrate Christmas at all, 
and then uh, the cultural part of Christmas. And I don't have a relationship with my mother. It's like they are, um, you know, I don't get, I don't, I don't get crazy. I don't have any, you know, during the holidays. Um, I don't have any um, good or bad stories around that. Oh, that's cool. Well, yes, I do. Oh, I have a story of poor Tracy during the holidays. Oh. Um, you know, of that whole push around, you know, what I, people asking you what do you want, and you tell them, but then you don't get it. You don't Ooh. get anything that was on your, the right. other things I want list. Right. Um, it, it's really interesting, but instead of that driving anger for me, I think what it ha- what happened for me was it was perfect because it pushed me to independence. Uh, Not so much that I'll never depend on anybody or I'll never ask anybody for what I really want. It wasn't that, but it was, it did teach me a lesson of, you know, be clear about what you want, and then it is up to you to get that for yourself, not to always depend on someone else to give it to you. I see. Whether it was Santa Claus or you know when you got when I got old enough to realize there is no Santa Claus, there is my parents, uh-huh. and uh, or Santa Claus is my parents, and so and and there wasn't I think when I was maybe twelve or thirteen there was some bitterness about that, but by the time I was eighteen or nineteen, oh this happened when you were that young, you know when I was uh. eighteen or nineteen I was already that. And a lot of other things. I was already in that mode of, oh, I I need to design design my life. I need to choose. You always have a choice. And, you know, I was really very much, um, even before I was 16, in that mode of you always have a choice and you have the responsibility to make your choices come true in the world, not that you couldn't depend on it, through your partnerships, through the people you choose to have around you, that kind of stuff. So not you have to do it on yourself and nobody else is out there, but you get to choose your connections, your relationships, your direction in life, your profession, um, and, and you choose based on what is it that brings you joy. Can we focus on the horrible people that didn't get you what you wanted? I think that would be useful. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, that is an interesting thing that we do, I think, tend to do. We tend to, as the human, you know, we replay the same story instead of getting the lesson or the message or experiencing the highest good out of that story, you know, taking the marrow from the bone. Why did that come to me? I, I don't know. No idea, but, you know. You're very unpredictable pulling, in that regard. Pulling the good out of the experience and learning from it and then letting go of the story. And that's a big thing, to let go of the story. And perhaps I just find well, the story and you so can, I don't think you can let go of the story until you learn from the story. Until you See, have pulled the marrow from the Because story. if you just let, if you theoretically just let go of the story, it's still there. You haven't replaced it with anything. So if you replace it with, you know, this happened and this is what I got from it, then you're really letting go of the story and you've been living 
the way you want to live based on what you learn from that story, living in the new story. Yeah, and I, I think I've been saying this a lot lately um, that about when people say, I just want to forget that or, you know, I want to let that go. So it has been coming up a lot in the last six weeks that you that we really, the way the human brain works, we really don't, we let go of our, our attachment where that becomes our primary attachment, and we can tell a new story with the same events. But we don't eliminate it. We don't really forget it. It doesn't go anywhere. We just replace it. I think we have done, I think a lot of us, have misunderstood what it means even to forgive because we think forgive means we forget it. We don't. We just forgive it and we choose a different story about it. Bless you. So you so so that's an interesting thought. Because I think if I'm living in a new story, if I have fully given over to the truth of the experience, which we would we would assume is a positive thing that we have once we're living in the truth. So you're saying that the, that there's still a connection to the past experience that could be triggered back, and I guess that's probably true. Well, because the past oh, experience doesn't go anywhere. It did happen. It, it does happen. exist. I do remember it. I can recall it. But it doesn't drive me now. So we often talk about AA and, and twelve steps. And so someone who has been addicted, someone who has been an alcoholic for fifteen years, and starts AA, they never forget that they were an alcoholic. They simply live a new story based on choice, based on I learned that doesn't work for me. Uh huh. And I'm not, and I am choosing that I am not going to live that way anymore. But those 15 years aren't gone, right? They are there. It's just every day. If I think I want to drink, I think whatever is going to keep me from having a drink right now. And initially, it might be I'm not allowed to. The power is outside of me. You know, there's always a power greater than me, but I, the reason I'm not drinking today is because there's a power outside of me that's saying no. Or the reason I'm not drinking is because I don't want to go back to jail. Or the reason I'm not, you know, it's kind of a some something or someone is making me not drink, even though I made the choice. You know, but three years or five years or ten years into sobriety, then it's, I'm not drinking because I don't want to drink. That's it's not the, the person way I am. Right. Right, my habit now uh-huh. is not to drink just as much as my habit then was, you know, 30 years ago was to drink. And so I, that is a real representation of when we make a change in any other part of our life. It's just that's so physical, we can see it. So I could choose to, um, in the holidays, uh-huh. A lot of the times I think people get triggered <clears throat> because they are reenacting the same traditions yes. and the same activities 
that were a part of that two- or three-day period when they were eight years old, when they were 12 years old, when they were five years old. So if you're in your household, in anyone's household, if the habit is we all get together on Christmas Eve and we drink eggnog and we sing Christmas carols and then we open one gift. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) That's the tradition Uh that those are the activities. But if every year in the singing Christmas carols, your sister was always off key and it irritated you. Now you're 40 years old and your sister is still off key. And so what's in your system from, you know, 39 years of doing this is it irritates me when my sister is off key singing Christmas carols. Now you might talk to your sister once a week for the other 51 weeks of the year and have a really healthy relationship. But that one day when you're singing Christmas carols and she's off key and you're a music teacher and it drives you crazy, you react no matter what your spiritual practice has been unless you've done something specific around. I love my sister and I know she sings off key and I love that. That's unique about it. It's a unique quirk about her. You know, or if when you were a kid, every time you had to open one present from under the tree, there was always competition. That's going to show up when you get together as family. Because you're doing the same. So you're because you're doing the same, the same ritual. Well, you know, yeah, families a lot of times, you know, yeah. That that's what happens, whether it's you know Thanksgiving or Easter right. or Christmas. Right. That those are your family traditions. Right. Uh, last night I was listening to the radio, and uh, the radio host that was saying of uh, the talk show, and the radio, the host of the talk show was talking about the battle between white lights in Christmas decorations <laughs> and color lights. <laughs> In Christmas like decorations, the purple ones they have out now. Go ahead. And I mean, he was adamant, and people were calling in, talking about their stories of what it meant. What the white? He's like him doing meant. like a race thing. And well, no, it was like air your because apparently <laughs> I don't do Christmas, so I'm not aware of this. But apparently, there's this growing battle between, and that there are like. Neighborhood associations oh, that have a ban on lights, on color lights, that you can only have white lights on the outside. Oh, please. And, um, well, and people were, were like, a, oh, my goodness. And a lot of people who were calling in saying, you know, it's not Christmas unless you have multicolor lights. <laughs> you know, the white lights are, like, too pristine and too elite and, you know, you have to have multicolored lights. And they would go back to when I was growing yes, up. always, right. When right. I was growing up. So it doesn't look like Christmas until, right. yeah. So, I mean, so you go visit your brother who lives in another city and you pull up and you grew up with multicolored lights and your brother has white lights decorating his or her home, his home. And it just isn't right. Yes. Right? And it just isn't right. It's not Christmas. Right. And, and the, what does your brother say? Oh, well, my wife made me. You know. So <laughs> my then wife's you don't family. like the sister-in-law either. My wife's family does it this way. 
Well, that's a whole other topic, too. I, I had a friend, and there was a friend last night, she was talking about her spouse's family coming in and the impact of how her spouse changes when her family's around and, you know, how that just impacts everything, you know, exponentially. But again, I guess I keep coming back to this idea that this, you know, it's a, because I do, I like the word laboratory that you used. I just think of everything is when I really get outside of the emotion of it, yeah. I'm really so intrigued and I absolutely believe that every one of these little experiences throughout my day is is like a, what are those things that are a, uh, it starts out wide and it goes down to a very narrow point. A funnel? Funnel. Very good, Tracy. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Uh, that every activity in my day is like a funnel guiding me to the highest good. And that my ability to stay in the funnel and let things happen and just go with them, the quicker I get to the bottom. The, the the more I try to oh, try to fix it or try to figure it out or try, you know I just need to assume this is working for my highest good and keep going. So my car gets stolen and you know assume that's working for my highest going and just keep doing the next thing. I was with the, I was at a friend's house who is a twelve step person and she kept saying just do the next thing. Let's just do the next thing. I'm like, we need to roll around on the floor and gnash our teeth. <laughs> Isn't that the next thing you do when tragedy befalls you? <laughs> and so, you know. You are dramatic if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And uh, that's an understatement. So, but I do think there's a really profound idea of just saying, let's just do the next thing. And then the next thing that comes to mind, and I think this is really interesting. People who listen to the show know I do these groups in the Dallas County Women's Jail. And there's a woman there who's married, long marriage, 25-year marriage. She has 17, 16, 14-year-old children. She's, you know, grew up in the picket fence. She still lives with the picket fence. They got into some financial difficulty, and she started writing some checks off of the company payroll that she had access to, and that's why she's in jail. So... Her husband's forgiven her, children have forgiven her, her fam, her mother and father are still involved in her life. Everybody's forgiven. They understand, you know, the, the this sort of mind that she was in when she felt like she had no other choices. And she said in the group last week that she can't fully forgive herself because then she would be free and then she she wouldn't be being punished for her family. She's like, I can't just... Enjoy, and she actually said, you know, I can, you know, enjoy my time here. I've got food, I've got heat, I've got a bed, you know, and I can be okay even serving my time. But I don't want my family to think that I'm not suffering the consequence of my behavior. And I thought that's so interesting. How many times I'm willing to go on to the highest good, yeah, but I can't because we suffer as a family. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want anybody to think I'm having a good time. My car was stolen. I need to say, you know, there's going to be things that other people are going to be impacted because of things that were in my car. I need to suffer so they see that I'm not going on and, you know, having my hot toddy. You know, I'll sit down here and suffer. That is very interesting. Isn't that deep? And I think that comes from, you know, literally in my family, we used to have a saying, you know, I'm worrying. People would say, well, what are you doing? I'm worrying. That's my job. I'm worrying. 
you know, we really kind of built this whole, um, it was a tangible thing to, you know, mm-hmm. be downtrodden and to be a victim and to not be, you know, that's my part. I'm suffering. <laughs> I'm doing it very well, don't you think? <laughs> and I'm, I'm really experienced <laughs> it, and I do it well, yes, and yes. even with a little yes. joy. Yes, with a little joy, and yes, yes, and a little, you know, a little payoff. Am I suffering enough yes. that you can really get yes. that I'm suffering? Yes, and once I suffer enough, then, you know, someone will come in and say, oh, oh, you know, good, 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 this is good. It was almost like we affirmed the suffering. Well, and if you the suffer, suffering. then you have to have a savior, too. So a savior, too, so then everybody wins, right? So everybody has a play to, part to play. So I think that's fascinating, though, the idea of just assuming it's for the next highest good and just keep moving, just keep going forward, just stay in action. And so family. if I am with my family during the holidays and there is a lot of, uh, even if there's not, like, you know, physical fighting or yelling and screaming, that tension that sometimes, that often mm-hmm. shows up. Um, yeah, I think if we're saying yes to spirit, yes. we realize this is all by divine order and appointment, and I can choose. I can choose to act from love. Right. I can choose to to act for in this present moment, not act, act or react the way that I would have when I was 10 years old. And therein lies the opportunity and the laboratory. You know, we really, any moment can be transformed. Any moment can be transformative if we are present to the present opportunity and not playing out the past story. And some, what just went through in my mind, too, was the thought of sometimes when we have said yes to spirit in our life, it may be that we are... There are two things. One, we are we find ourselves in that same situation with that same trigger, and we get to demonstrate to ourselves our own growth and our own new grounding because it doesn't irritate us. us or hook us right. the way that it used to. Yeah. And you go, joy, joy. Oh, wow, that's, wow. Yeah. I, I really have gone to a new level in my own yeah. spiritual grounding. And the second piece of it is the... You know, we also could be triggered, and it's not so much that it's a test, but it's an opportunity to practice. Yes. You know, so we either see it in hindsight that, oh, wait, I didn't get triggered by that, or we get triggered and it's an opportunity for us to say, this got it, now how, what am I going to choose? Right. And how am I going to choose right. to react to that now? Right. And that kind of observer eye, you know, and saying, okay, I have some choices. And neither one of those involves being the person that points out to the other, the sister, the brother, the mother, the father, the uncle, you need to change. You're singing off key (laughs) in none of those scenarios. You You need to change. You need Uh I've put up with this for Uh 40 years, Uh and I'm done with it. You need to change. None of it has, none of the saying yes to spirit. Has gives you permission to do that. To say, it's a screwy scarf, I lost my car, you insensitive bum, none of that. That would, not, of be, that, that no. would not be the saying yes to spirit response. You know, I I did have an experience, a kind of a, just to give a bit of a balance to the whole thing, I um, got a letter from my sister and uh, have connected with my sister in a very different way and getting some help from her this last year. And I got the letter and I 
was so overcome by emotion, I just had to sit on my front yard and just kind of feel the emotion. And when I was feeling it and experiencing it, what I realized I was feeling was unconditional love. And I realized that for whatever reason, my path, my journey, my choices, I had not felt that. I had not fully embraced that. Certainly it was available to me. I'm certain it was even available to me through my mother. But I had not experienced it. And I felt it there in that moment from my sister. And I thought to myself, that is the greatest gift. Thinking about holidays and thinking about family. And I, that gift that my sister gave me, that sense of unconditional love, you know, I can turn around and give that to my mother. I can turn around and give that to my, you know, family that 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 are irritating in this holiday season. And I wonder how that would shift if that if that became the idea of that would be the gift I would give for the holiday. You know, instead of a shiny well, new red bike, I could do yes. that to both and. But you know, that I could walk into my family tomorrow with the conscious thought, I'm going to have unconditional love for my mother. Period. Period. How would that period? Well, you know, that's and, and that's interesting because when I stopped celebrating Christmas, that was a lot of what it was about. That during that season, during the season of the of the Christmas holidays, more people are actually acting from love, and some of that is buying gifts, but in general, giving to charity, being more forgiving and patient, being generous at work saying, oh, that's okay, happy holidays. I mean, people are operating from a much bigger interesting uh-huh. spirit of generosity and love than they do the other 11 months of the year. And in the when I wrote this letter, you know, this Tracy's Manifesto. You know, ah, did you? Oh, yeah. Do you have a copy? I, I do have a copy. Oh, we got to read that. Um, About why I wasn't celebrating Christmas anymore and, you know, I wasn't accepting gifts or giving gifts. But a big part of it was what I love most about Christmas is the way that we act with one another, and that's what my commitment is. So you celebrate that. that. To live that year-round. Year-round. That that it's not something that Ah. is for one day or one month, that that's who I want to be in the world year-round. And so then I don't have to ramp it up <laughs> the month of December yes. and then January 1st, forget about it. Hey, thank God that's over. Exactly. And that, and then the the religious part of the spiritual part that, you know, again, I want to live that year right. round. Right. And um, so it's really interesting that, and where I think we do want to spend the last three or four minutes of the show is about, you know, what, Works because when people do love and love when they are with family during the holidays and commit to live that love, yes, it just seems <sighs> to me that a lot of the things we get irritated by would not drive us into disrespectful or behavior or drain us yes. and have us feel like it was hard. Yes. And I got very excited. You just did another bumper sticker. Live that love. Live that love. I like that. That's a good bumper sticker. And that would really be an opportunity. You know, if you're listening live, it's Christmas Eve. 
traditionally speaking, and uh, you know it's a real opportunity in real time to make that choice. And to really, I think the takeaway for me is to just constantly be aware that I am at choice. You know, yeah. regardless of what my mother or any other human being along the way, the guy that cuts me off in the car, you know, I am at choice in my reaction and my response. Yeah, so anybody who's going out because they remembered uh, that they need one more gift to get <laughs> and they they go to the mall or the big box stores or, you know, and they can't find a parking space, remember that this is all a part of the holidays and you could actually send blessings to every person you see as you walk up to yes. them and mentally. You could connect with them and say, I am the joy of the holiday season. And the saying yes to spirit really is about saying yes to spirit in all circumstances and not just in the circumstances that seem either really challenging or really easy, but those kind of gray ones that just, you know, are a little irritating or a little, but all of it to really, to, to look for God in that experience and to say yes to spirit in my reaction and response. Yes. Yes. So um, I I think it might be perfect to end with this particular comment from a Facebook friend. Very good. Quote, with expectations in line with reality, it's a wonderful time being with family during the holidays. I get time with my almost 94-year-old mother, my sister, and three high school friends with whom I've recently reconnected after 40 years. And I get time in Wisconsin along Lake Michigan, great walking environment. What's not to love? That first line with expectations meet reality. In line with reality. In line with reality. And that you don't pretend that people aren't who they are. Right. They're your family. You've known them your whole life. (laughs) You know who they are. Unlikely they're going to change. Manifest. Yeah, yeah. Magically. In the last 11 months. I can be the one that changes. I can be the one... Because I'm the only one I can control. So I can be the one that chooses to align my expectations with what is. Right. And to say yes to spirit and be love. Yes. Live the love. Live the love. Maybe that will be a fun I just love that. Live the love. I just think that's fabulous. So our time is just about up for this very uh, this very conversation about family and the holidays, and next week will be the morning of New Year's Eve. Yes, imagine that. And so we are going to talk about 2012 intentions, intentions for the new year. Yay. And um, we'll see where that takes us. (laughs) The journey continues. Yes, it does. So until we uh, talk again, please remember to say yes. The spirit. spirit.